What's up, Rockstar? My name's Heidi, and I'm a wife, mom, nurse practitioner, singer-songwriter, and former front woman of a rock band who loves putting a smile on everyone's face. I want to give you a front row seat to honest and real motivation to help you be the rock star I know you are. You'll also get VIP access to hear from others who are rocking their lives, passions, and careers. So get your ticket ready, sit back, enjoy the show, and get ready to rock. What's up, Rockstar? So today on the podcast, we are finishing up Josh's story about his journey with music and mental health. If you haven't already listened to episode one that was released on Wednesday, I highly suggest you stop listening to this right now. You go listen to episode uh, part one of this episode and then come back and listen to this after because the story that he told on Wednesday is very vital to the conversation um, that is going to be discussed today. Okay. Um, today, he really dives into um, how he was diagnosed with PTSD uh, and, and now is going through therapy as well as his new adventures that he is having in music and what he is continuing to do with music and how he's just an absolute inspiration to so many people um, that he has gained a a following and really built a community of people through TikTok as well as Instagram. And like I said on last episode, I'm seriously so honored that he chose to use What's Up Rockstar as his platform to discuss this for the first time. All right. Hope you guys enjoy the show. You know, so, uh, yeah, after that, um, I left Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing well. Funny enough, uh, that's right when you met me. I was about Um, to say, I'm like, okay, Josh, this is adding up to the time whenever I met you, like literally. Yeah. Yeah. So then you come to Louisiana and you're with BMO, right? Yep. So yeah. um, Yeah. I left Atlanta. Um, I had kind of told everybody about what was going on with me. Um, Mm -hmm. I had told my whole band, I was like, hey, um, uh, and this is kind of like, I guess a little bit like difficult, but it's really part of what happened. Like, um, I was in a place where I was like kind of just going through a lot of suicidal ideation. Um, because, um, you know, at the time it was like, we had spent so much time and effort towards this thing and it felt like it was just done and never going to be fixed. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was your livelihood. Like this is what, this was your dream. This is what you wanted to do. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so like I realized like my entire identity was like wrapped up in like being vault 51, you know, and like in this, my identity was wrapped up in being this signed musician being like in this like position of like being able to do what I wanted with the rest of my life. Um, and that was just taken away. And as soon as it was like, nobody wanted to talk to us. No one wanted to touch us. No one wanted to manage us, sign Mm -hmm. us, nothing. Like no one wanted to touch us and we didn't even really do anything wrong either. You know, like that was the worst, that was the worst part to swallow was that like nobody wanted to like sign the band and take us on uh, because we got dropped. And like, regardless of the circumstances, just because we got dropped, like that was it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just like, all right, well, like I have to figure out who I am like outside of that now. Uh, And so I came to Louisiana um, because a lot of me, my whole life felt like I really missed home and I felt like, uh, I belonged back there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, clearly that's not the case because here I am in Atlanta again. again. Um, Yeah, but no, that's okay. We all have our faces. It's fine. fine. Yeah. So I came back to Louisiana and, uh, BMO was like, come work with me. Like, so I ended up working at a car dealership because I was like, and this is the first, like, job I had since I worked in pizza in high school, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I had done music for seven years, like in between that. Yeah. And like, I'm not even kidding when I say like, I didn't know a single thing about like real life anymore. Like aside from just playing music, writing music and making moves towards having a career in music. Like I didn't, I didn't know where the VIN number was on a car. 
Like I didn't know how to do my taxes. Yeah. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know like how to like set my alarm, like on a schedule on my phone. I'm not even joking. Like just like (laughs) normal, normal Normal people things. Yeah. Yeah. Although Um, I admit I have no idea how to do taxes whatsoever. I have somebody else does that for me. (laughs) I will will never understand that. I oh, file yeah. an extension every year because I'm just like, I get too stressed out about deadlines. Yeah. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, um, I ended up working at this car dealership and it's funny because like I got asked to do all of these like simple tasks and it was honestly like really humiliating because like I didn't know how to do like half of them. And I would mm-hmm. like have to like admit that to my boss who like looked at me like I was an idiot every time. And I'm like, look, I know I seem dumb, but like, I'm not dumb. I've just spent a lot of my life just, completely solely focused on this one thing and like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to be a functional adult like just yeah. cut me some slack you know yeah. so like yeah um yeah I ended up doing that uh for a while um and then it was about I was there for like what like a year if that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't no it was like seven months like something pretty short um and then I got a call uh, from <laughs> my old day-to-day manager, Scott, who worked with Larry on my band. Mm-hmm. And he was managing my friend Kyle's studio in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Um, and I got offered to go work out there um, and work with Kyle and get back into music. And I, at first I wasn't going to take it because I was just genuinely too like traumatized. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I remember when I got the offer, it was very, very strange how I responded because it wasn't, very typical of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember, I just like, I was just crying. Uh, and <laughs> Tori was with me, uh, mm-hmm. my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just like, no, we should absolutely do it. And I'm just like, I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I left, yeah. I left Atlanta to like get away from this. And I just don't know if I like have the strength to get back into it, it because yeah. it's just music is like almost a constant like place of disappointment. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of ways, um, especially only if you're really looking to make it your career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. music is freedom outside of that. Absolutely. If you, wanna, yeah. if you want a career in music, like it is a constant cycle of just like working mm-hmm. towards something and then being disappointed Disappointed. Uh, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. doing that over and over and over until it changes. So pursuing a career in music is the definition of insanity. If I'm being honest. Yes. Um, I could agree with that. <laughs> So if it weren't for Tori, uh, in the moment, um, telling me like, we should go, we should go, we should go. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, and I wouldn't be here now, but, um, I did, I said, whatever. Uh, we packed all of our stuff, moved to Greensboro, lived there for a year. Um, I worked on a bunch of great records and made a bunch of, um, great friends and Mm -hmm. then, uh, ended up moving to Gainesville, Florida the year after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, and then the year after that, uh, moved back to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so every year I moved uh, since uh, this whole band thing fell apart, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Every single year I moved. Um, because for some reason, uh, I just felt really uncomfortable. Like, like I was, I have this big, like, case of FOMO, like the fear of missing out. Yes. Right? Oh, we and, know all about the FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. If, <laughs> I think. So it's funny. I didn't start to understand and see like cycles of like trauma in me until I really started understanding how it worked like later on in my life. Um, and it took until just now, maybe like a couple of months ago, um, Mm -hmm. I moved back to Atlanta in August of last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that, um, Katrina and, um, me losing that record deal, uh, made me feel unsettled. Like I didn't know where to go. Uh, I didn't like, I didn't understand this at all because it was happening on a subconscious level, but I didn't know where home was. So Mm -hmm. I was constantly trying to find it. Um, so every year I moved since that, um, and none of those places, um, felt like home. I, I enjoyed them. Um, like Gainesville, Florida, especially I love Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually, I want to retire in St. Pete with like a studio on the beach. Yeah, um, that'd be so fun. But I'll come record over there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. I promise. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, none of those places felt like home. There was always something wrong. Uh, always something missing. 
Um, and um, I was just, I don't know. Even now in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, I still talk about it all the time uh, where I'm like, I want to move back to Florida. Like, I won't. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's like really kind of a bummer because I'm just like, I don't know if I'll ever like feel like super settled anywhere. Um, anywhere. Yeah. But that's that's what music like is. Uh, and does to like people uh, is that like um, your home isn't in a place it's in opportunity. Um, Oh, put that on a bumper sticker, put it on a bumper sticker. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how, that's how it is. Um, So eventually um, I'll start getting into the actual like harder, like details of, uh, of things that kind of put me where I am now. Um, Um. so just bear with me because uh, some of it is like a little difficult to tell. Um, That's okay. So <clears throat> eventually all of that stress that I was kind of like running away from and all of these like situations that were just like really awful um, caught up with me. Um, and it took a few years of me like running from them. Uh, but once it got to a place where I just kept taking on more and more and more um stress and, and, um, issues from my family or from people that I care about, um, from my significant other, um, from myself, um, Mm. I was taking on all of these things because that's what I do. Um, I like to fix things, uh, and I like to take on people's problems because I don't want them to hurt. Right. So like, um, because I have been so hurt so many times, uh, in my life that I just, don't wish that for anyone else. Um, Mm -hmm. and it caught up with me, uh, last year. Um, and the pandemic did not help. Um, Mm -hmm. and in, so in August or no, it was May of last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up having, uh, like a real, uh, breakdown for the first time in my life. Um, and, it's really strange. Uh, so the first thing that kind of like started the event was I was going to get coffee during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is a Starbucks on veterans Memorial Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, the, I think I was talking about it before, uh, whenever we were just talking casually earlier. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's the Starbucks right there. I lived right by that Starbucks. That was the one that I got COVID from. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So but, Josh had uh, COVID. Josh had COVID literally like prime time beginning before it was even a thing. There wasn't even a test yeah. yet. Like Josh had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, two weeks after Mardi Gras started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, perfect timing. But anyway, yeah. so um, this was after that. Um, mm-hmm. I remember there are two entrances to this Starbucks. There is one that's on the main road um, on Veterans. You can just take a right and hang into the parking lot, mm-hmm. loop around the building, get in the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, there's a road, um, that you can turn onto from Memorial or from veterans and then take a left and like right into the drive-thru. Yeah. So that's where I was. And if you remember anything about like the pandemic and drive-throughs and just oh. like fast food in general, it was just insanely backed up and like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically there were two lines, one from the main road, one from where I was. And the lady, there was a lady waiting in line, uh, but she got there after I did. Mm -hmm. So I go to, I go to pull up into this drive-through line. Um, and this lady like literally just like tries to like get in front of me, but like almost hits my car. And she's like, I can see her like screaming and like waving her hands. And I, this is like totally out of like character for me. So it was super strange, but like, I didn't even think about it. I just reacted like in the moment, I just like slammed my car in the park and like got out. And I remember I just like screamed at this lady, like I was here first. And like, as soon as I did that, like my whole body just like tensed up. Um, and my chest got insanely tight. Um, and I like, I could not breathe. And so like, I've always dealt with, um, anxiety, like, but only like, thought invoking anxiety where it was uh-huh. like what if what if what if you know correct yeah yeah but, never but physically it, it, yeah yeah it, it never mm-hmm. did anything to me like physically until that day um and I like quickly sat down and was just trying to catch my breath and I was like what the hell like just happened like what was that like 
Mm-hmm. I felt like it was weird. It was like, I felt out of control of like my reaction to like a situation or yeah. like, um, and so after that, I, um, it had been about 10 years since I had seen a professional about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I've got to get a grip on this because, um, not only did that happen, but I wasn't leaving my house. Um, I was having a hard time driving around the city um, Mm -hmm. because I was like having these like panic attacks on like bridges. And if you know anything about Metairie in New Orleans, it's all bridges. bridges. (laughs) Um, And so I was having, I was just having these awful panic attacks where um, I couldn't breathe at all. And like my head would like jolt around and like my arms would tense up. Like so I was scared. I was like going to get in a wreck, like if I didn't mm-hmm. like, take care of it. Um, yeah. So I ended up seeing um, this like telehealth doctor mm-hmm. and she um, was trying to explain to me what was going on and what was happening. Um, and she was basically saying that it was almost like our like, if we could separate our human brains and our like animal brains. Yes. Um she was like, basically it's just a survival instinct. Like mm-hmm. your brain it's is telling you that there's your brain's telling you mm-hmm. that there's danger when there's not. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of like blew my mind. And I was just like, Oh, that's like really weird. Like I just like imagined myself as like some sort of like reptile who just like couldn't comprehend like what was going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So she prescribed me Prozac. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that exact event, uh, is what changed my life, um, Mm -hmm. in a bad way. Um, I got it about a day later and I remember looking at the, the prescription bottle and being like scared for some reason. I was just like, Mm -hmm. like you had this feeling something wasn't right. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of funny how like, isn't it kind of crazy that you're able to like have those feelings before something actually is wrong? Mm-hmm. It's, it's and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people yeah, have super, better, yeah. Better catch on it than it, others, but yeah. It feels superhuman almost, or like divine intervention of some kind. Like yeah, you can't absolutely. really rationalize it. Yeah. Um, two days uh, after that, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, it's going to be fine. I'll just start taking it. So I did, and I set a schedule for when I was going to take this medication, whatever. Mm-hmm. About two days in, um, I had a band that had driven all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, to come work with me. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so <clears throat> there I am working, and um, I remember uh, this was about two days into taking that medication. So increments of two days for whatever reason. Um, uh, but I remember getting the biggest migraine of my life. Uh, and it got to a point where I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember telling the band like, Hey, like, I'm going to have to send you back to your, your hotel because like, I can't like, I cannot work like this. Like, I just, I feel really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were like, yeah, that's cool. We'll just pick it up tomorrow. So I was like, all right, cool. So I remember uh, telling Tori and she was like, well, you need to eat. You haven't eaten anything all day. And so like we go to get some canes or whatever. Um, And then we came back uh, and uh, this is when um, the actual like event had happened. Uh, I remember standing next to my bed and I was just looking at Tori and uh, I just kept repeating like, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. Like over and over. I ended up like um, falling onto my bed uh, and basically having what felt like a seizure, uh, while I was conscious. Um, and yeah, it's like, I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Um, uh, I couldn't do anything. Uh, and it was terrible. Um, it completely, it completely changed my life. Um, I ended up leaving new Orleans because of this. Uh, I, I couldn't go to bed in my bed anymore. I couldn't wake up in my bed anymore. I didn't mm-hmm. feel safe in my house. Um, I was so anxious that um, I was having to completely exhaust myself with physical exercise every day so that I could not feel anxious and that yeah. like my body would allow me to rest because after mm-hmm. that, um, after that, I didn't trust that 
that that wouldn't happen to me again because mm-hmm. I had no idea what had just happened to me. And when I say like, it felt like a seizure, like it was, um, my whole body was tremoring and I couldn't do anything. I was completely put out. Um, yeah. And, oh, uh, I'm so sorry you went through that. That sounds, uh, that's, that's like, it's a, okay. It's a prescriber's worst nightmare, honestly. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually like kind of glad that it happened as like twisted as that sounds because, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing or yeah. I was uh, like you wouldn't where be where I, you are today. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still like even telling it just like, makes me like extremely uncomfortable, but it's like, I have to tell it. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, please, like, if you don't feel comfortable, like don't talk about it. And it's like, no, like I, for the past year, I have not been able to talk about it, mm-hmm. um, without like actively reliving it. And it's getting better. The more that I'm able to talk about it, the more right. power I have over it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. And thank you for sharing it for, for yeah, feeling okay yeah. enough to share it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, so I ended up, I had just finished building my studio as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just not in my right mind at all after mm-hmm. this stuff happened. Uh, and I was also coming off of Prozac yeah. um, right after I had just gotten on it. So my brain didn't know what was going what on. Was going you on? Know? Yeah. So like, yeah. I was like, the only thing I could think about every single day, like was just like, I, it felt like I was dying. Truly felt like I was dying. Um I wasn't able to talk to anybody. I couldn't hang out with anybody. Couldn't see anybody. Couldn't drive anywhere. Um, I, I literally was just like a wreck. I, I thought that I was going to have to be like put in the hospital, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really, it was really scary. So first it was just like, I felt out of control of my body. Right. And mm-hmm. that was like terrifying. But after that, I felt out of control of my mind as well because, um, I constantly felt like, Oh, like when's that going to happen to me? Like, am I going to be talking to somebody in public and I'm just going to lock up like that? And like, yeah, it was just, you know, um, it was just scary. And so I had ended up losing everything. Um, I lost my studio. I had to sell a bunch of my gear because I couldn't work. So I wasn't making money. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, everything that I worked for was like out the window. I had to sell like half my guitars, Um, Oh my gosh. I did not realize this. And this all happened last year. I did not know this, Josh. Yep. And I, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was life changing for sure. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first time that I like really experienced like the true ugly, like raw power of like anxiety and, uh, you know, depression. And then what I was going through that I absolutely did not understand, uh, because I didn't know how it was post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's insane how much uh, your thoughts and like circumstances and past can physically manifest themselves into your life and like cause you physical pain and just genuinely have the power and ability to like take everything from you and shove you back to the bottom because I just could have never imagined this happening to me. I could not. Um, and so, but here I am. But, yeah, um, here you are. I uh, I survived it, and I'm continuing to survive it every day and uh, do what I need to to take care of myself. I'm, like, doing, um, like, tr- uh, targeted trauma therapy every week. Cool, um, cool. Which has been great and actually helpful. Uh, at first, I just thought I was, like, overpaying for, like, talk therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Until, and, I, yeah. until I started learning, like um, – these like coping mechanisms and I started understanding how like the human brain works and Mm -hmm. started understanding that it's not my body working against me. It's my body working to protect me in the wrong situations. Right. Um, yeah. So understanding the science of it has been like huge, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So I had to start all over again in Atlanta. Um, you can also imagine like how insanely, um, difficult it was like, on my home life, my relationship. Yeah. Uh, because I was not rational. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very hard for people to like be in your corner when you're not. Uh, and it, it's very difficult to be aware that you're not Mm -hmm. and not be able to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, it was all horrible. Um, (laughs) but, uh, basically, uh, to 
kind of segue out of all of the negative things. Right, right. Um, I was telling my therapist about like my music life mm-hmm. and she was like, why did you stop playing music? And I explained to her the whole like Vault 51 situation. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, you have had PTSD ever since this happened and have been avoiding uh, yes. music yes. because it's because a trauma it. response. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened to you was a consequence of not treating it. And was it reaching its limit before you needed to like take right. action? Absolutely. Yes. And uh, so she was like, you need to quit sitting in the production chair and like hiding behind everybody else's art and you need to put yourself back out there and whether whether people like whether people love on you or whether people like hate on you like it does not matter because that's who you are and you have been actively avoiding who you are for the past four years like um Oh my gosh. And Thank you, Josh's therapist, whoever you are, seriously, so <laughs> for saying she's those a, things. Yeah, she was amazing. She's not, yeah. uh, she's not She's not my therapist anymore because I had to move on to more advanced therapy. But, right, right. Um, but her name was Anthea Johnson. For, for anybody that maybe is listening from Atlanta that could use somebody great, she's amazing um, mm-hmm. and extremely affordable. Um, but uh, yeah, so... I did. I ended up like making two covers. I don't remember. I think the first one was this white flag cover by Dido where I had like yes. kind of switched. I switched up the lyrics a little bit. Um, and the, the last line I changed to I'm at war and always will be uh, because it's just uh, it's what I deal with and it will be there for the rest of my life. But mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. Right. right. And um, mm-hmm. I remember I put it on Facebook and it just like kind of took off. <laughs> yes. I remember. Um, I remember it. I was like so pumped up. I'm like, yes. Like this is the content yeah. we want to see. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, uh, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't believe it uh, that like people cared at all. And um, by take, by took off, I mean like that post did like, it was like 300 and like something like likes and stuff. Yes. And like, that was like a big deal for me. Cause one, Nobody ever cared about what I said on Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, not, I didn't either. Like looking at my memories is a joke, but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it was really cool. And I remember um, one of my friends specifically, her name was Lindsay, was like, "You need to make a TikTok." And I was just like, "Oh, I hate TikTok. <laughs> like, no, it's so lame." Um, and I remember. Um, it was about like maybe three or four covers later that I was like, okay, like maybe I just should try TikTok, like whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but all of my covers that I was putting on Facebook, um, were just getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, so (laughs) I put them on TikTok and, uh, within, I think it was like four months I had like 200,000 followers. So like just, I looked up the stats to be able to report them here. He has over 220,000 followers on TikTok and (laughs) 1.3 million likes whenever we are recording this episode. Okay. Like (laughs) y'all, it's a big deal. Like, oh my God. Oh, like amazing. And organically this happened. Yeah, Yeah. That's the best part. So if I could explain anything, the whole reason that it was exciting to me, um, I, for some reason, some days I'm more days than not. I'm mm-hmm. always like, it's not a big deal. Cause I have friends that are like wildly more successful than I am. Um, so it's like, uh, man, where am I going with this? <laughs> you try to <laughs> like, like you, you tell yourself like, Oh no, it's really not that big of a deal, but it, it is yeah, though. The, it, so, it is, it is though for people that aspire to be where you're at too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. That's where I was going with it. I'm so sorry. Um, no, okay. So sometimes I get a little scatterbrained, but <laughs> in the music industry, uh, a lot of people fake their numbers. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people like buy like YouTube views yes. or like buy or followers. followers. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. like interactions. And it was just really cool that I just was being myself and like posting these little covers and like, it like I was having like all of these numbers, but I knew for a fact that they were real. And like the, it's uh, it's almost because of these people that like some days I have imposter syndrome where I like don't 
I genuinely mm-hmm. don't feel a connection with like the amount of people that like have like followed me or interacted with things that I've posted because like, I'm just so used to everyone having to fake that or buy that. Um, my friends included, to be honest, uh, in a lot of things are just like, yeah, like it's not a big deal. It's just target advertisement. I'm like, mm, it's botting, but whatever. Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, so it's, it's cool. Like, but it is difficult to give myself validity about that. Like I have a difficult time, like reading that number on TikTok and like imagining a human face behind each one of those numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I do. I do get that. Make, yeah. Making that connection is like really, really difficult. Now, mm-hmm. if you stuck 220,000 people in a room and put me on a stage, it would be like, that, Oh it, God. It, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah. so it's only when I can put it in that perspective that I can like actually be like extremely grateful and realize that like, even though I like genuinely thought that like my life was gonna be over last year like yeah in in the most literal sense yeah um because I went through that I discovered a part of myself that I didn't know was special Mm -hmm. um and so now here I am like writing my own music and like yes I'm not playing drums or like anything like that I'm like actively being like the the face of this thing you know and like um, it's hilarious. Uh, it's hilariously ironic that people with anxiety always assume that like, no Mm -hmm. one wants to hear about their problems, but like people love hearing about my problems (laughs) now. Like I like, so like I get on like Instagram and like post a story and I'm just like, you know what? Like, instead of like bottling things up, I'm just going to be like honest and like, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like, or like whatever. But it's like, there's so much power in like being like, Yo, I'm flawed, but like, if I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't be me, right? Yeah, like, and you wouldn't be relatable because because I think b- people find you relatable where they can. That's they that's, can. That's, they, that's they, the ironic thing is that like, uh, um, people um, people relate to uh my like the things that I thought they didn't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they want to hear now, it. Absolutely. Now, yeah. Now I'm a now I'm a spokesperson for like every single thing that I feel that passes through my mind. And <laughs> every everybody is like here for it. And yes. it's like so cool because like I'm like, oh, like I don't have to hide anymore. Like and I don't have to be disingenuine. I get to talk about the things that actually matter. People relate to uh the things that you think no one wants to hear about your life or yourself. Like you're like, oh, I don't I don't want to talk about like my uh, like my troubles or what's going on or or my fears or you know my anxieties because everyone else's are like either like bigger or like it's going to end up pushing people away and like they're not going to want to like be my friend or like be around me because I'm going to be such a bummer. But it's hilarious because I'm like I like somehow became a popular bummer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Like, like people are, people are now down to like, listen to like what's going on. And even though it's like super, like it has a negative connotation. Like, I think, I think people see that I'm like actually trying to make something positive out of it, you know, like, and I'm, I'm just trying to survive it just like anybody else who's dealing with it, you know, and just trying to figure out a creative way to like shove all of that energy off of my shoulders and like into something cool that I can like give to other people, you know, because that's what I like doing. Yes. Instead of, instead of hiding it, like you are freely talking about it. Cause I think there really are so many people that they feel the need to like squash it down or like hide it or keep it bottled up inside. And they need, you need to let that out because eventually you will explode. And mind you, you had that, you already had that happen to you, but it was subconsciously. So like in your subconscious, it was happening. So it it makes you wonder all these people that these things happen to them. Is it just like in their subconscious? Have they just not addressed it or they've chosen willingly chosen to bottle it up, you know, and you're doing the opposite. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I, um, I, I like hit it from myself for like, I got really good at that. Like, um, uh, for a long time, 
I just had these issues and I like didn't speak about them, but like I thought about them constantly. And then all of a sudden it was just like, it was making me dysfunctional in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't like, I couldn't get up out of bed and like go do the things I needed to do. I would avoid, um, going to the grocery store or like avoid, um, I mean, as terrible as this sounds, um, like I like, I had a hard time like taking my dog outside sometimes because I didn't want to go outside. Mm -hmm. And like, so as a result and consequence of that, like it took me seven months to potty train my dog like properly because, because I was going through these waves. Um, and trust me, I am like the world's like best, like doggy dad for my corgi because he's like say, my baby. you really I, are, you really are you you post about spoil, all the time like he's your child for sure <laughs> i spoil him to death but it was so hard um because i was going through these waves that i didn't understand about myself where i just woke up some days and just did not have energy and was just having all of these like intrusive thoughts that were like uh just holding me up like i just couldn't like focus on anything else so like the idea of like stepping into real life and like having to do like normal everyday responsibilities was like way heavier than it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could rationally see that. And then that would feed the cycle of anxiety. Cause I'm like, why am I like this? You know? Um, mm-hmm. and it would just get worse and worse. And so like, there's no, there is no positive, um, outcome of stifling your like, your issues with mental health. There, there just aren't. I absolutely. I and agree. I thought that, I thought that there were, I thought that there was more strength than just swallowing it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and it turned out to like hurt me in the end. Um, and physically so even too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because of like what I said earlier, like, um, like that tremor event and everything like, um, you have to, you have to take care of yourself and, the biggest thing that you can do to take care of yourself when it comes to mental health is speaking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've realized again, the more you speak about it, the more power you have over it rather than it having over you. And, um, it kind of almost doesn't seem true. Like that's something that I wouldn't have believed at all. If somebody had told me, um, when I was in the thick of it, Mm -hmm. but, but it is true. Um, because again, I never expected this stuff to happen to me ever. Um, even though it was developing for a long time and I saw it coming, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it Um, does. Yeah. I was still like, I was still like, nah, like I'll never reach a breaking point. It's not going to happen, but it did. And the best thing, uh, for me, whether it is a turn off to people or not, is for me to be completely public and open about like my mental health issues and like PTSD and, uh, OCD and GAD and major depressive disorder. I deal with all of these things, body dysmorphia too. And like, they're all like ugly terms and ugly things. And like, it sucks because for a long time I was like very ashamed of them and it made me feel like less of a person. But mm-hmm. I realized now that if I did not deal with those things, um, I would absolutely not, I would not be anywhere near decent at like writing music. It like fuels my ability to like create art and like, um, paint pictures from my perspective that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and mm-hmm. I wrote, I didn't have the energy to write my own music for a long time. Uh, I've had a lot of support in my corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it was just, I was going through a really hard time with PTSD over the past six months. Uh, I just was not very functional. I was barely working. Um, and, Finally, I had a friend push me. Um, he came here. He's still here. <laughs> His name's Dave Peterson. Uh, and he's probably going to be on my team with this stuff for life uh, now. But mm-hmm. it's like um, he came here to work on his stuff and hired me to do his hip hop stuff. And literally one night he was like, I'm going to make a track for you. He like makes like beats and like yeah, cool. uh, just yeah. like sound design and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I remember the next day we're like sitting in line at Chick-fil-A about to go work a session on his stuff. And he like shows me this like little loop that he made. And I was just like, yo, that's actually really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, why don't we just work on your stuff? And so like, (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're literally paying me to be here. Like, yeah. Yeah. um, And so basically we came to the agreement. I was just like, I'll, I'll like, 
I'll mix your stuff. We'll like recut. I was like, I'll work on your stuff for free. Like, let's just work on my stuff too. You know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's crazy. Cause like, yeah, at, at first, like I just like felt so bad. Cause I was just like, you're like, there was a bug on my hand. You're paying my day rate <laughs> to like work on my stuff. This is like absolute like insanity. Like I feel like the world's biggest butthead right now, but, um, he was trying he to support wrote, you though. Like he saw, he's, he's, yeah, he sees, he did. clearly and sees your talent. He and I, uh, just ended up like bouncing ideas off each other, like all day long. Like he sat behind me with his laptop and he was like airdrop. And I would just like accept his files, drop them in. And then like, I would do my thing to him. And then mm-hmm. I was literally just like tracking vocals, like in the middle of it. And we were yeah. just like going, going, going. And then before we knew it, like I had my first song and I was just like, I like got chills myself because it's probably the most like raw and like honest song that I've ever written. And like, it's not, it's not thought about too hard. It's not like wrapped in this like cryptic story that I had to like fabricate to make my life seem more interesting. It was literally just about me and to basically circle back to my whole point of bringing this up. Um, the whole song is basically, uh, it's called down with my demons and, um, it's about me shaking hands with the parts of myself that are flawed and things that I hated about myself um, and asking other people to accept me for those things. Because it's like, if you don't, if you can't, and if I can't, then I can't create art. So like there's a line in the song um, that kind of full circle encompasses that it says, are you down? Are you down with my demons? They're the ones who feed you all these stories to believe in. Uh, swimming out, swimming down to the deep end, because even though I hate him, I still need him. Um, mm. And uh, that's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> I just it gives me goosebumps. Like yeah. when I like when I even like say the line because it's just like uh, for a long time, like I uh, I was so afraid of like wearing my issues on the outside because I didn't think that my friends would like support me, and I didn't think that people would support me I thought that like I would just be seen as a problem and I saw myself as a problem so until I was able to change that perspective through a lot of therapy and this awful event in my life um I couldn't do that but now I can you know and now I can recognize that like all of these things that uh, I and other people might deem as flaws you know like I recognize that these things actually like give me an advantage over other people like yeah it, it when it do, comes it to does. being artistic yeah and it, it does. and that's that's really empowering it's not like I feel kind of like cocky saying that and I don't mean that I'm better than anyone I just mean that like um I just got lucky enough to recognize that I could make something cool out of like a really bad situation you know like yeah. you, it gave you your own creative edge yeah so mm-hmm. I'm like I'm very fortunate that you know, I'm not normal <laughs> um, in, in, in that regard, but I'm very unlucky to deal with all of the negative consequences, you know, but mm-hmm. like, at least there is like a positive and at least I can see that as more valuable, you know, and heavier in a good way than the negative stuff. I, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Or not, it but. makes complete sense. I like the term, which I still use to this day because it describes me too. We're weird in a good way. Yeah. That's like, Yeah. Yeah, I get it. We uh, no, I do. Funny enough, on this, uh, I just finished up uh, producing a record for this band called The Funeral Portrait out here. Yes. Um, and uh, there's a track on the record called Stay Weird. Um, Stay Weird. Nice. And, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious because, like, all of us were kind of just like, ugh, like, maybe this is, like, too lame. Um, no, never. But we wrote it. Yeah, we wrote it with a guy named Johnny Andrews, who's like a fantastically talented writer. I love working with him. He uh, he writes for Three Days Grace and all that cool. remains. And, yeah. Um, he's been basically like a mentor to me like all year long, um, which has been amazing. I needed that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he came up with the idea and he like sang it and it almost felt like this like like Billy Joel-esque like piano ballad. Yeah. But it was like, it was for all of like, the the weird kids and like basically just saying like let your freak flag fly you know yes, what i mean like yes we love um, those we love those anthems it's, yeah it's literally just like an anthem for like everybody who ever felt like you know they didn't belong as like blanket and like whatever as that sounds it's actually really really cool really good um, yes so, okay i'm i'm gonna 
stop you and I'm going to have you name drop. I'm going to have you be that person. I need you to name drop songs that you've worked on that um, are super popular that some people may know that listen, um, as well as oh, bands. I need okay. I, I need you to name drop. I, I need you to brag on yourself for a second. Okay. So let's let's go circle back for a second. You remember how I said that my very first girlfriend would come yes. back in this story? Yes. Okay. I was going to ask you that after. So I, <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> okay. So check this out. This all connects, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. almost like my life is like this one big weird sitcom. Like I, <laughs> so when the band got dropped, we had a song, um, on our record called voices. Um, is this just like really like kind of scary to talk about because I don't know like I don't know if they would feel weird about it. I guess not because the song is completely different now and I'm just a writer on the team, so it's not a big deal where it came from. But yeah. So there was a song called Voices on our record. Um and two weeks after we got dropped, Dave Rath called me. Um mm-hmm. and I was like, maybe he's calling me to like fix things. Hell no. Um, <laughs> so I, I, can only hope. I answered the, yeah, I answered the phone and, uh, he's like, Hey, uh, like, how are you? And like, in my head, I'm like, how do you think I'm doing? You just <laughs> dropped me and shelved me two weeks ago. Like, yeah. Is that like, yeah. so, um, anyway, he's, uh, he's like, Hey, so, uh, like motionless and whites in the studio with Drew right now. And, uh, it was like, they really love voices. Like. Chris wanted me to ask you if there's any way that we could like use it for the record. Oh my God. And I was like, kind of like mad at first. Like I was just like, wow. So like the songs are cool and great and everything. Like you can like drop us, you know, like not even give us the chance, but like, you'll let them like, you use know what my I mean? Like, music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like cherry pick, cherry pick yeah. out of our like discography, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, not even our discography, our catalog, I guess which yeah. it wasn't even a catalog. It was a record, but um, I was like mad, but then I was just like, I like a switch kind of went off and I was just like, wait a minute. I loved this band growing up. This is super cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I instantly, I just stopped being mad about it. And I was like, yeah, as long as like you guys like honor, like my publishing split, um, I'm definitely down to let them use it. So I got back to him and gave him permission. And because of that, um, motionless and white, uh, put out voices. I think it is still, I think it is still their second biggest song. It is, um, it is such a good song. Yes. And it's kind of insane to think that I was like part of that in any capacity and that it is Mm -hmm. like one of their biggest songs. And they were like one of my favorite bands Bands. when I was like 15, 16. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so here comes like the girlfriend thing. Uh, so, uh, basically Chris motionless is best friends i think best friends maybe i don't know i'm not close with this family anymore but he's really good friends with my very first girlfriend's sister oh so so uh she contacted me like two weeks ago or something like that Mm -hmm. uh and chris lives in atlanta uh now i guess uh and she was like hey um so crystal wanted me to ask you if you wanted to watch uh chris's cat and she was like, you know, Chris, right? From motion. Stop right. it I was like, right now. <laughs> I was, I was like, <laughs> I was laughing my ass off because I was just like, Oh my God. He probably, I'm like, he probably has no idea like who I am at all because I'm like literally the small fish writer on that list. Like he probably doesn't even think twice about me being on that list. And like, uh, he's asking you to watch his I, cat. Yeah, basically. I didn't end up doing it because they never they never got back to me, but I accepted. I was like, yeah, of course I'll watch his cat. But I was like, <laughs> of course, like, the first time I would ever, like, actually talk to him or meet him would be, like, from watching his cat. Not even the fact that I was, like, a writer on one of his songs. This, one of their but, biggest songs of all time. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but because he needed somebody local to watch his cat that he trusted. Um, that is so, amazing. Yeah, so... <laughs> how crazy small world is that? So the very first like girl that I ever dated that basically got me like addicted to music and going to concerts. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like you see how everything kind of connects Everything connects. and then it gets even crazier. If I, if I didn't sign that deal with Roadrunner and go through all of that, uh, I wouldn't have that song with motionless out right now. It wouldn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, and 
not only that, but that song has gotten me so much opportunity. Absolutely. Like given me so much work and like so much respect from a lot of people. Um, And it's genuinely done so much for me. And I'm like, at this point, like I'm like looking at all of the bad things in my life that have happened. And I'm like so grateful because as dramatic and drastic as they were, they did everything for me to put me where I am now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything. Um, but yeah, I love that. small world. Yeah. Like everything is connected. Uh, even like that publishing bit, that song, like, I mean, like, literally like if none of those events had happened, how they happened, like this conversation wouldn't even be happening. It wouldn't even be happening. You know? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. So what I say, I know you mentioned the funeral portrait. What are some other bands that you've worked with that, you know, um, that you've okay. written stuff with, but also, um, recorded and put out there? So I want to talk about, to be honest, like, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess some of like the bigger stuff that I've had a part in, I did like motionless. Um, I wrote with a, uh, a radio rock band called letters from the fire, um, mm-hmm. that like did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have written with another active rock band, uh, called damnation. That's like, um, doing pretty well. Um, and we've all done like octane like sirius xm cool. like radio yeah. play together yeah um but but my baby bands um like hollow city um yes. we finally just got our first song on radio recently nice um, yeah it's called all my friends take medicine i love it i really love it so much <laughs> it's, it's such um, a good song yeah it's it was so much fun to write uh because it was just kind of like we were just laughing at ourselves like we're all a little like messed up you know like mm-hmm. um and all of our friends are too, but it's cool. Cause as long as like we have each other and we can be like, it's cool, dude. I like, I got to take views from my anxiety too. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> it's love it. It's just like, just kind of like laughing in the face of our issues. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's like so powerful, like in its own right. And, um, and yeah, it did really well. And also, um, it was really cool. Cause the people at Octane like said that the mix sounded insane, which I, that's my first mix that's ever been public ever. Oh, so, that's so um, awesome. Yeah, so that felt really good to hear from, yes. like, radio people um, because I've had things in the past that uh, went to radio where it was, like, uh, I co-mixed with, like, other people and mm-hmm. we got told that it was, like, not good enough not so good. it got pulled, Yeah, you yeah. know? So, yeah. like, I've, I've had my losses, too. Mm-hmm. But um, there's another band that does pretty well that I got to co-write for on their last record called Kingdom of Giants. Um They've been around for quite some time. Uh, really awesome metal band from California. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. There's definitely way more, but I'm like totally spacing right now because I'm working on so much. So much. No, um, that's okay. I mean, but you... most of what I do, like, I don't really go out and um, get to work with like massive bands. I mostly what I do is like artist development. So like, yes. I take people, uh, I take people that I believe in that are like small and nobody knows about and like I sit down and we write together and like just go through the ringer together until we make something that we think is great and then we just try to shoot it up and see what happens you know um and so basically my job is to take small bands and uh make them big bands that's like my goal I Um, love it I mean and that comes full circle from you too like with your history I mean with your experiences you know you're able to really help these people starting up too you know right so oh um cover your tracks was another example there was a band called cover your tracks that um I got to co-write their first record uh it was their only record they broke up but um it got them a deal with epitaph nice Um, they got signed off of that and they went out and did some insane tours like the star set and like yeah. uh, they went to Canada and um, did all kinds of stuff. But uh, um, really and truly like it, it really has been just like developing projects. So um, I could definitely like look through a, a, like my folder of projects. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. I'm just like, I don't know. My brain's just like scrambled right now. I'm like, what have I worked on? But it's like, I've been doing this for, <laughs> I've been doing this for 10 years and I like, I'm just like having a hard time, like, thinking of band names right now (laughs) no no that's okay Um, that's that's totally fine okay so um, i want to though hear okay so now you've written your own song like you're ready to put your own stuff out there you're working on like you putting things out there 
Um, we know that Muse is big inspiration for you with recording and writing. Um, oh yeah. How if you could describe what your stuff sounds like? So I, I have, I have this weird, unique perspective, like uh, into the, I guess like through a lens that most other people don't have when it comes to like making music. Like I get to see like what's happening to rock music. Mm-hmm. I want to make. I want to make rock music cool again. And I want to bridge the gap between what is considered alternative music and rock music right now. So like, I basically am kind of in this weird niche where like, I want to make songs that like at their core and like in their bones are pop centric, like alternative songs, but they feel aggressive and like big and dynamic, like rock songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so like if I could describe, what this project actually sounds like uh it's like if all of the dark parts of like 21 pilots like hung out with billy eilish and muse and uh man like uh it just has like that big like angry dynamic of like aggressive rock music yes yeah Um, no i get that that's cool it's but it's like all like moody and grungy and melodic i just it's so hard to describe and to me that's honestly exciting because i can't tell you that it sounds like somebody else like yes and like and that is so awesome for me because i've never reached that in my life but maybe other people will think otherwise they'll be like oh this sounds like this but i can't put my finger on it, on it. and like that's awesome for me because usually i'm like oh this sounds like this like yeah i can kind of like you know pin it on something else or Absolutely. like i can tell where it, i can tell where it comes from um but this stuff, I, I genuinely just, I just can't. Like, it just sounds like me to me, you know, yeah. which is yeah. awesome. That's so cool. So where can people find you? How do people find you on Instagram, TikTok, all the things? How do we find you? So on Instagram, uh, right for right now, uh, until I like roll everything out um, under my artist name. Um, cool. Instagram. Instagram is at I am Josh Landry. Uh, and on TikTok, it's uh, my name is Sad Songs Only. Nice. Um, that's my account name. Uh, and then on Facebook, uh, you can find me there and follow me. I have a public profile, but I will tell you right now that I like cannot sort through the friend request pile. It is like absolutely yeah. absurd. absurd. And yeah. also there's like a cap on it. And I think I've accepted as many people as I can. So right. Uh, yeah, I don't even think it like matters to be friends with somebody anymore. Cause you can just follow, you can just follow thing. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just follow me on, on TikTok or Instagram. Uh, that's where it really counts anyway. Um, yeah. I, I am on Twitter, but I hardly ever post. And if I do, it's just like a dumb meme or something. Yeah. Like, Twitter's <laughs> Twitter's like kind of where I go to like, just not care about what yeah. I have to say. Right. You know, because yeah. it's just like, um, it's kind of weird because as like things start like happening for you um, and you like start kind of like gaining some like sort of like a following attention. Yeah. yeah attention yeah. on you or mm-hmm. a following. Like mm-hmm. um, I feel like I can't just like post like, God, I had like a crappy taco today on like Facebook. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I can't just like say that. So like Twitter is where I go to be like, uh, like for sure. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Agree. Like I'll just I completely like, say whatever. Agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. But no, or your Insta stories. To me, Insta. That's where I post stuff. Like whenever I have an opinion or I oh, need yeah. to complain about something, Insta stories, no doubt. <laughs> I do that too. But now, now I have like a problem. I'm actually like working through it with my therapist, who's just like, just don't like, don't hesitate. Just like post whatever's on your on your mind, like on mm-hmm. your story. Because like I told her, I was like, I go to like post a story. And like halfway through it, like I'll realize how many people are going to watch it. And then I like, I watch whatever it is that I just filmed. And I'm just like, oh, like I hate my nose there. Or like, oh, like I like, yeah, I, I like start it, yeah. like, yeah, I start being like overly critical mm-hmm. about what I look like or like how I'm saying things or like if it looks like I'm spacing or like, it's just weird. She's like, dude, just like literally just film whatever you're going to say and just like post it. Don't even revise Don't it. Don't think about like, it. Yep. But now I, like, feel, like, compelled to be profound, like, 90% of the time when I'm just, like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm just, I'm just a human being. Like, some days I have nothing of any importance to say, and I don't need to, like, put the pressure on me to, like, be this, like, rock star for everybody all the time. Like, yeah. I just need to be me because, like, that's 
what has served me well and will continue to serve me in like creating something that is going to mean a lot to me before I, you know, eventually pass away one day. Like that's what matters to me is just making something like I think is beautiful before like my time is up, you know, isn't that everybody's like goal with making music, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I think for some it isn't, but I know yeah. I, I get, I do get where you're coming from where, like you mentioned earlier, like you want to take people's pain away. Like you want to take it on yourself kind of thing. So yeah. you have the mentality to like make an impact, make a positive impact on other people. And you want to make sure that you get the point across in the right way. Right. Exactly. I think that's my problem. And I put so much pressure on myself to do so that like, sometimes I'm like, what I'm saying, like, doesn't even matter, even though it does, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know, sometimes I, I just get like way too critical about like things that like really aren't that deep, you know? Yeah. Like, no, well, you shouldn't, you should post all the things, all the thoughts. If you did have a crappy taco, it's fine. You can let us know. <laughs> People okay. love it. I don't even, I don't even know why I use that example because I like don't even like tacos. I don't even <laughs> eat tacos. Like I just like could not think of like an example of like something dumb I would post on Twitter. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, we still love it. We still love it. Well, yeah. this was so fun. This was awesome. This was a great yeah. conversation. This was awesome. This is my first podcast. Woo! Your first podcast. I'm so happy. It's it's what's up, Rockstar, that you're you're doing this on because I already know you have already done great things but you will only continue to do great things and so yeah. like i'm like honored to say like i had josh landry on the podcast it's <laughs> <laughs> so weird it's, it's so weird for me to say because like i don't know it just didn't matter like you know what i mean like yeah, i don't know yeah because you don't think you don't, of it that way could, yeah no not at all because like mm-hmm. i've been going my whole life trying to get people to care about my music and the second that i stopped trying to get people to care now people care so yeah. it's like getting used to the idea that people care is very hard because I went through like literally like 12 years of musicianship of people not caring. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I get it. I get it. I do. Well, Josh, thank you. This has been awesome. I appreciate you so much. I am going to drop everything in the show notes of how people find you. I'm going to go find the, also the old YouTube links and I might throw them in there. Or maybe I'll make people do work for it and go find your old band videos. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Let, let them work for it, please. <laughs> please, whatever you do. Because now at this point, they're like, damn it. What did he say? Like, what was the name of his bands? And they're going to have to, like, scroll back. In they got to scroll back. Like, yeah. To, like, five minutes. It. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, seriously, thank you so much. You are the bomb. I cannot wait to just continue to see how awesome the awesome things that you do and actually hear your own personal stuff and see what you're gonna come out with yeah thank you so much for having me i genuinely appreciate it i'm glad we met all those years ago me too full circle everything's connected right you got that right yep all right sir all right thanks have a good one bye bye and that concludes our episode two-part episode with Josh. Y'all, I seriously, uh, having that conversation with him was so great. Um, I was friends with him before after working with him and I seriously cannot thank Lee enough for introducing me. Um, and when I say Lee, I mean my, my friend Lee that, um, that I know is up in heaven above looking down and (laughs) definitely, um, sending good vibes my way with this project that I'm doing. I know he would have absolutely loved it because he was all, all about this kind of stuff. So I seriously cannot thank Lee enough for the people that he introduced me to, um, with Josh being one of those people that we were able to build a friendship and seriously, how we mentioned today about being weird in a good way. We're all just weird in a good way. And, um, fortunately for us, we're kind of able to capitalize on our weirdness, right? So I can really not thank Josh enough for being open enough to talk about this with me and be vulnerable enough to release this out to the public for the first time. He has mentioned it before um, on Instagram and TikTok about having struggles with mental health, but this is the first time that people get to really hear his story from him. And I really, like I said, I cannot thank him enough for wanting to do it uh, 
with me on this podcast. Alrighty, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed. We would love to hear your feedback. You guys need to go follow Josh, okay? At I am Josh Landry on Instagram and on TikTok at Sad Songs Only. I know he is only going to continue to do great things. Alrighty, y'all. Thanks for coming. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go be a rock star. Thank you so much for coming to the show. If you're wanting an encore or want to get connected, follow me on social media at Heidi Roxon. And if you vibed with the show, share it with a friend or on social media and tag me. I'd love to hear your feedback and get to hear what you're rocking in your life. But for now, go be a rock star. 